Thank you, uh, Brother Ed. It's been a good time for us to think about what Holy Week is all about. And I pray that you will not forget that this is one of the highest points in terms of Christendom. Why? Because we just celebrated Christmas. And people put a lot of emphasis on Christmas. That's great. But think about this. Without the crucifixion and the resurrection, His birth is just His birth. And therefore we need to understand that the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ is such a focal, focal point in Christendom that you and I need to be preparing for this. If you are not preparing for this, folks, you are missing one of the most beautiful times in Christian life that it really means so much to you and to me. And you and I need to grasp this. And so in the coming Sundays, we will be preparing for Holy Week. And I pray that your hearts will be focused on what Christ has done for us. Let me ask you, how do we prepare for this Holy Week? I think we can do that by making sure that we look at scriptures with such intent that you and I are always excited. You see, a lot of us don't really know Christ that well. Remember when you, when you were born? When you came up, you say, wow, that's Jesus Christ. Oh, I know him. He's the Son of God. Oh, he... Listen, none of us didn't know a lot about Christ when you were born. Am I correct? But somehow, as you keep growing, Christ is being revealed to us. I pray that you and I would come to church today excited to know more about Christ. Because Christ keeps on revealing Himself. It is a progressive process. And those of you who have come to know Him more will realize how beautiful our Savior is. You're always amazed. Let me share with you. If you read the Gospels, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John during this Holy Week season... It's so beautiful for you to be prepared for what's going to take place. Let me show you why. When you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they look at the life of Christ. They describe Christ from earth looking at Christ. In other words, they look at Jesus Christ from our viewpoint from earth. You got that? So everything was viewed like, okay, Christ was among us, and this is how we describe who Christ is. However, John looks at Christ from where? From heaven. Looking down upon Jesus Christ. And so one of the most popular books in the Bible about Christ that people like to read even in church history is the book of John. Why? Because John describes to us the theology of Christ. He shows us that Christ is fully human. is also fully divine. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they talk about Christ's life on earth. And so we see Christ from an earthly view. Alright, I hope you're excited about that. He's excited too. Thank you, brother. Alright. If that doesn't wake you up, you better get to wake up. You should be excited. Alright. A little bit of sound effect there. No, brother, thank you. I know. I'm just, I want to thank God for the, 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 our technical teams here. As a matter of fact, I even have one of the computers because I wasn't able to print my message. So I would have printed this from my, spoken from my computer, but we switched. So we're okay. Alright. But listen carefully. When you start to read scriptures, Read it with excitement. You need to look at it from a very fresh perspective. You know what the problem of Christian life is all about? Oh, I accepted the Lord. And you know where I'm going? Heaven. You got that? And so anything in between, I don't care. And that's what's happening with the Christian life. We forget that there's so many things that happens between now and being saved that you need to understand. Because without this contents here, you would never appreciate what salvation is all about. And that's why a lot of people take for granted what the Christian life is all about. 
And even Holy Week, oh, Holy Week lamang. Especially in America, I don't know about you. When Holy Week comes here, I feel like, wait, tapos na pala Holy Week? It's already finished? You know, I, I kind of miss those things. And I pray, folks, that we will not miss it this, this time again. Because we know Christ is coming back soon again. So here's my question to you. What does Jesus Christ look like? If you read the scriptures, children will come to mom and dad, what does Jesus Christ look like? And you have all these kind of paintings, right? How would, you, how would you describe Jesus Christ? Well, let me share with you that there was a guy by the name of Publius Lentulus in AD 32, and he wrote a description of Jesus Christ that you will never find in any other place, all right? And just follow me, I'm going to read it. And because I don't know how he looks like. I've never seen, you know, all these pictures that he looks like he's good looking, you know, uh, you know, you watch all this Jesus film. You think that is really the face of Jesus? Everybody's just making, making it up. But notice this. It says, there lives at this time a man of singular virtue whose name is Jesus Christ. He was the governor of, of Judea. And this is what he wrote. Whom barbarians esteem as a prophet. He's a tall man. Wow. Well-shaped. Mm. And of amenable and reverent aspect. He has hair of color that can hardly be matched. Was it black? Was it brown? What is golden? What is brunette? I don't know, all right? Red, all right? Nuts. It says, falling into a graceful curl. So maybe I need to curl my hair, right? Waving about and very agreeable, couching about his shoulder. It must be shoulder length. I don't know, right? And his hair parted on the crown of his head. Well, I remember when I was still a teenager before, you know? Right? Right? Parted on his head, running as a stream to the front after the fashion of the Nazarites. His forehead is high, large and imposing. His cheeks with a spot or wrinkle. Wow. Good is porcelana. Why is it glowing? Beautiful with a lovely red. Oh, a rosy cheek. Why? His nose and his mouth formed with exquisite symmetry. Parabang perfect and perfect. Alright? I was wondering, well, it doesn't even need any kind of description. With symmetry. His beard of color suitable to his hair. So it matches his hair, right? Reaching below his chin and parted in the middle like a fork. Wow. I keep wondering how it looks like. His eyes, bright, blue clear and serene, look innocent, dignified. Oh! Manly. Manly and mature. Wow, manly and mature. How would you describe Christ after you read this portion? How would he look like? You said, wow, this is great. But you know, here's my question. How authentic is this description? Because there could have been a time when people just wanted to write something about him, when people were looking for all kinds of relics. You have to understand that the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John give us great information about Jesus Christ. However, listen carefully. None of them describes what Jesus Christ looks like. Am I correct? Voila! There's none. You know what the Bible describes to us? Apparently, why did God do that? Apparently, God didn't want us to look at the outward appearance of Christ. What is most important is not what He looks like, but what He did 
for you and for me. So it's not the looks that is most important. It's what Christ has done for us. Keep that in mind as we study the scriptures today. So in preparing for Christ, in, in other words, if you want to get to know him more, what do we need to do? We need to look at Christ in a very progressive way. We need to understand what are the things that he did for us. That you and I will be so amazed about this Savior, this King that we talked about. You get to know him to the most important question. When you read the Bible, what do you think is the most important question? Some people say, oh, what does the Bible speak about me? No, 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 folks. When you read the scriptures, the most important question is this. What does the Bible tell me about who Jesus Christ is? That needs to be approached. What does the Bible tell me about who God is? That needs to be your approach. Don't you ever look at it from, oh, what can I get from the Bible? Oh, wow, if I do this, I'm going to be blessed. It's not about you. Not about me. It's about who Christ is when you read scriptures. And then you will be amazed as you read into the scriptures. Christ and his crucifixion. So let's talk about the Lord's Supper. Why did I start there? Well, I thought there's a good beginning to start, alright? So we're going to fit right into the Holy Week season. But let's start from this Lord's Supper situation. It was a beautiful way for us to get to know the Christ and you are talking about. We do it what? Every first Sunday of the month. Why do we do this? There must be a reason behind this. So let's look at this. Everybody during the time was preparing for something. Notice, the chief priests and the scribes were preparing for this Passover time. They were also preparing to do something with the Lord Jesus Christ. What were they doing? They were planning a time to kill Jesus Christ. Folks, there are people today who want to kill Jesus Christ. They want to obliterate him from our church. From our, our, from our schools, from our system. But there are people who are saying, we need to do something with this Jesus Christ. Why were they angry about him? He was actually going against the authority of those times. Remember the Sanhedrin made of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Christ did certain things that they didn't like. When he said, well, you know what? I will forgive people's sin. Who can forgive people's sin? Only God can. And all of a sudden people are saying, who is this guy who claims that he can forgive people's sin? This person must be an impersonator and he is dealing with our authority. Who gave him this authority to forgive sins? Say, this guy needs to be dealt with. We can't stand this. He is questioning our authority. And so they had to deal with him. They were waiting for the right time to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? He was a popular guy. He did so many great things that people say, I wanted to know who this guy is. He was healing people. He was forgiving people. He was doing things that people say, there's something different about him. And if he became so popular that they say, if he becomes so popular, he may do things that will get rid of us. Because he was questioning the authority of these Pharisees and Sadducees. See that? But he was so popular that they couldn't handle him. There was such a place called people's power. If we deal with this guy, we're in trouble. If we kill him, let's make sure that we kill him in such a way that we can get away with it. That was their plan. Think about that. In other words, they were preparing to do something with Jesus Christ. What are people today doing with the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we preparing for him just to get rid of him? There are people who are doing that. Let's look at Judas. You know Judas Iscariot? Ah! Judas is card during this time of all people. Think about Judas. 
Judas was with Jesus Christ this whole time. But all of a sudden, something came to him. The scripture says, Satan got into him. Why do you think Satan got into him? Of all people, why did Satan get into Judas? There was something about Judas that people don't realize. He was holding the bag. Reading scriptures. Judas held the money for the group. You got that? He had the money. In other words, when they were hungry, who to whom did they go? Judas, right? He handled the money. You got that? So sometimes you realize, why would, you know, I keep thinking about, why would, this, why would Satan enter into Judas? I'm just going to put it in a simple way. Judas had the love for money. Folks, that is a very dangerous thing the scripture tells us. The love of money is the what? The root of all evil. Think about this. Judas said, you know what? I've got all this money. Jesus Christ. You know what he did? He went to the high priest. He was not even solicited. He went to the high priest and said, you know what? I've got this guy with me. I even know where he goes. I can give it him to you. How much would you pay me? How much was he paid for? 30 pieces of silver. What is so significant about 30 pieces of silver? He could have asked for more, right? They would give it to him. They, if he said a hundred pieces of silver, they would give it to him. But you know what he said? You know what? I don't want to be greedy. Maybe he says, you know, just give me what I want. Thirty pieces of silver. Now, what is that worth? Thirty pieces of silver is worth one slave. When a person kills a slave, you are required to pay that owner thirty pieces of silver. Judas was willing to pay for Christ only for 30 silver because that's how he valued the Lord Jesus Christ like a slave. What a painful thing. And this whole time, he was playing a joke, right? And you remember when they were in the Lord's Supper here? It says, the Lord Jesus Christ said, you know, one of you will betray me. By the way, he hadn't, he hadn't gone yet to the, to the high priest then. That's what it says. And everybody kept saying, is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? You know what it tells me? Every one of us can fall into that trap. Because every one of them started to ask, Lord, ako ba? Could it be me? As a matter of fact, he says, the person who dips his bread with mine, I'm going to feed him. He even gave Judas and said, you know, is it me? You know what he said? Yeah, it's you. Go quickly. Do it now. Jesus Christ was already warning Judas about this. But you know what was the problem with Judas? He already wanted that big money. And that's the reason why Satan came into him. It took over his lust for money. That the matter when Christ said, he couldn't have repented. And even the devil used that even to, to use him. He said, alright, Judas, you already promised this. You better deliver. He could have repented. But his heart was prepared on betraying the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was looking for the opportunity. In other words, his heart was already set in betraying the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, the love of money can also betray our love for the Lord Jesus Christ today. When we put other things first than him, and he wanted to, 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 to disobey the Lord Jesus Christ. So even Judas was preparing for this. Now look at this. 
the Jew, the Jewish people were also preparing for the Passover, Passover celebration. Now, I want you to notice carefully what is happening here because this is where the Lord's Supper becomes so beautiful. What were they doing? Number one, they were preparing the Passover lamb. It reminds them about what? The passing of the angel of death when Israel was going to be freed from the Egyptians. Well, they're going to eat the unleavened bread. A bread that had no what? Yeast. Alright? And third, what you call the bitter herbs. What was the unleavened bread all about? If you notice here, it reminds them of their affliction. But the bitter herbs was to remind them about the bondage they experienced while they were in Egypt. Now let's see if we can understand what that means. Because keep that in mind. Because this will tie in with the Lord's Supper so beautifully. And you will appreciate this. And notice here. What were the disciples doing? They were also preparing with the Lord Jesus Christ for the Lord's Supper. He says, hey, get over there and prepare the what? The Passover lamb. Even Christ and his disciples were going to celebrate the Passover. And folks, you and I need to be remembering that too. Because there's some kind of connection with the Passover, with the Lord's Supper. And by the way, notice who Christ is. He already knew how it would be prepared. The Bible, they said, okay, Lord, how are we going to prepare the Passover lamb? You know what he said? Go over there. There's a guy who you need to follow. Let me ask you. Have you ever done that? You know? Just look for somebody with, with, a, with a jar. There might be a lot of people out there. How would we know? You know, they never question. But you know, in my mind it says, a domino on top. Because remember, everybody was celebrating the Passover. Everybody. So I'm going to go to town. I'll find that guy. He says, just follow this guy. He's going to go to a place. When you're there, he says, you know what? The master needs a place that needs to be prepared for the Passover. They did exactly that was told to them. You know what the Bible tells us? It was fulfilled. What does it tell us about the Lord Jesus Christ? He knows everything, folks. Everything that happens, even the betrayal of Judas, even what's going to happen with his life and the future, he knows everything. So we don't have to stop playing games with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's God. He knows where you come from, he knows where you're heading for, and he understands what needs to happen in their lives. They obeyed everything, and they found that everything Christ said was to be fulfilled. Now, here's where it gets exciting, alright? And people say, oh, Pastor, this sounds so boring, I know about this. I know, alright? But let me ask you, do you know the Passover story? Let me tell you how important the Passover story means with the Lord's Supper. If you don't understand the Passover, you're going to miss out on what the Lord's Supper is all about. Listen carefully. In Exodus chapter 12, the Passover was to be the ultimate plague that's going to happen with the people of Egypt. Pharaoh wouldn't let them go. All kinds of plague until the last one says, Alright, Pharaoh, there's going to be one more thing. We're going to show you that this is God. That every firstborn is going to be killed. Let me tell you about the Passover lamb. The Bible tells us they were supposed to prepare the lamb. That lamb was to be an unblemished lamb. A lamb that had no kinds of defect. Alright? And even when they celebrated that, they were celebrating the Passover lamb. What we're saying is this. They prepared this lamb for one whole year. Afterwards, what to do with this lamb to make sure that it was unblemished. As what happened when they were in Egypt. 
they would pray for one year, make sure there was nothing wrong with this land. What is the relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? The Lord Jesus Christ was also preparing himself. The Son of God chose him to be that Lamb of God. I just want you to watch carefully. Israel here, as they celebrate the Lamb of God right now, they look for that unblemished Lamb. And here, they chose it for one year. And here you have the Lord Jesus Christ, chosen by God. You get that resemblance there? Follow carefully. Second, for three days, they will look at this lamb. While before it's going to be slaughtered, they will watch all this lamb to make sure that there was no unblemished. They will close the entrance, the entrails of this lamb. Why? When they sacrifice it, they make sure that this lamb was what? Clean. It was purified. It was tested. There was nothing broken with this lamb. Talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. He began his ministry. And for three and a half years, he was tested and purified. Who tested him? Satan tested him. Did he come out perfect? Yes. He made the test, folks. He would make sure that this Lamb of God would be tested and he comes out pure and purified. Amen? You see the resemblance here, folks? He's the type. Let's go to the third part over here. It says here, the covenant itself is going to be ratified when that lamb is going to be killed. What happens here? It says, Christ shed his blood also on the cross. And that ratified the whole covenant that it had to take place in order that God would be satisfied. That sheep, that lamb was slaughtered and that blood was shed. Christ's blood was shed on that cross. Let me ask you, do you find a similarity here? Is there a resemblance to both of this? Because this is where it becomes even more meaningful as we, as we go over this. Notice what happens here. It talks about the maturity of the lamb. It talks also about the time of the sacrifice. You know when they sacrifice the lamb? They would kill it before evening, around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Why? Because you have to kill the lamb. And what do you need to do afterwards? You need to prepare for the evening meal. And they would prepare that evening meal. Jesus Christ, when did he die? Around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the ninth hour according to scriptures. You see the resemblance there? How it's taking place? Follow me carefully also. How was it to be eaten? It was eaten where? Inside the house. Why would they eat inside the house? Because it tells us this was the house where the blood was splattered all over the post, on two sides and on the top. And in the same way over here, you notice here, the blood was eaten, I'm just saying, the, the lamb was eaten inside the house. Where is it usually eaten in the church today? Inside God's house. Where believers are gathered together. Notice the relationship here. Careful. Here's another thing else too. It says, if it was prepared on the same day, in other words, if it was prepared today, it will be eaten today. It is also done only in church when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Now, I want you to notice a beautiful correlation here. The lamb that was offered, you could never break the bone of that lamb. It was wholly prepared there, and people would pick out and eat everything that was, was in there. <coughs> what about the lamb? Was his bro bones broken? The Bible tells us not even one of his bro bones was broken. 
what is so beautiful about this? You will learn later on when you see the cross. We were talking about this last night. Remember when he was on the cross? You see what they do when people are being crucified to make sure that they're dead? In order for them to breathe, they would lift up themselves like this. They would breathe. But the moment they start to become tired, they would always, they all of a sudden start lowering down and their, 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 their lungs are being pressed and they could hardly breathe. And in order for them to breathe, they would pull from those nails up all the agony and pain. They would push up with their legs. If you were not dead, what would they do? They would break your bones. Because the moment's broken, you're down here. You could no longer lift yourself up. And you die. From asphyxiation because you could hardly breathe. When they came to Christ, they were supposed to break his leg. They broke the two legs of those other thief when they came to Christ. What happened? He already gave his life up. He says, his knees don't have to be broken anymore. It fulfilled the Passover lamb. None of those things were broken. What else? This was only done among the people who was inside this house. It was not to be shared among other people. In other words, it was only limited within that household. And folks, the only people that can partake of the Lord's Supper is who? Believers who accept the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why you and I, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, you need to say, thank you, Lord. I'm blessed. Because I'm within that household that Christ paid with His ultimate blood. What else? It's only done together in that very own home where it takes place. I want you to notice here, as we, as we are just about to get to that last portion, the angel of death the death angel starts to go around those posts. And as he would visit those posts, he would pass, uh, he would pass the homes that, that had the, the, the blood posted on their posts. But every home that had no blood, no one was spared. Even the animals that were firstborn were killed. Every one of them. But listen carefully. Here's where the beautiful part is. You and I are about to enter that doorpost where Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, paid the ultimate price with His blood. And we enter into that house where He has brought us into that relationship. And God says, Death doesn't have to come upon you and come upon me. See, so the beautiful part about this angel of death, you and I are saved because that blood that was posted there was paid once and for all. And I'm going to give you one more, one more scripture here, and I know because of our time. If you go to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 9, the Bible tells us there is only one sacrifice once and for all. And who's the sacrifice? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, here, they had to do this year after year, the Passover and the celebration. Every time somebody did something wrong, they had to do all kinds of sacrifices. They did it year after year for over a thousand years. 1,500. When Christ came, you know what he said? It is all done. He said, my sacrifice on the cross is enough and only once and you don't have to pay for it again. My blood has been shed and sprinkled and therefore you're forgiven. Ultimately. And now you can celebrate the great things about what I've done for you. And that's what the physical house of God is for you and for me in our lives. So the question is, when God knocks at your physical house today, that angel of death, and says, 
Do you have the blood of Christ splattered on your life? If not, you will experience a first and a second death. Because you've never yet accepted that ultimate price, which is only done once, never to be repeated again. When he knocks at your door, are you really sure that at your very post is there the blood of Christ saying, God, thank you. You paid for my life, and all I need to do is to what? Accept it. It's not even your good works. This lamb did it for you, and none of our good works can ever save us. It is only done because of what Christ has done for us. And so here's the application. I know you like this. Here's the application for you and for my life as we close this, this morning's worship time. God wants us to celebrate the Passover with the Lord's Supper. That's why we do this in remembrance of whom? Of Him. Because we have a tendency to forget what He did for you and for me. Don't you realize that was the ultimate price He paid with His own life and none of us can ever repeat what He's done. That's why we don't have to sacrifice Him anymore. That's why we don't have any kinds of masses to sacrifice Christ. Because he already paid it once. Why do I have to sacrifice him over and over again? When it is only done once. It was enough. He gives us the guarantee that the next time we will have this Lord's Supper is where? When we go to that ultimate banquet in heaven. Are you ready for this banquet, folks? When we will eat with him? If you know Christ, you will be with him. And ultimately enjoy this time. He wants us to partake of the bread and the cup with thanksgiving. He also wants it to share it with others, not just among ourselves. He also tells us that it's something that the world needs is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here's what I want you to do as we close, in remembrance of Him. First of all, it reminds us how worthy is our life for Him. That Christ had to pay the ultimate price, His life, for you and for me. You are such a worthy person that he's willing to give his very only son. I want to give you the story of John Griffith. In, I think believe it's in 1937 or 1939. The story says his job was in the Mississippi River. He takes care of this drawbridge where all the ships would go to the great Mississippi River. And when it's finished, he would draw the, put the bridge down because there is also the train that crosses the mighty Mississippi River. That was his job. Day in, day out. And he looked at his job as a very, very normal life, boring life. When he became, when he became a father, he said, I'm going to bring my son. I'm going to let him see what I do. and Maybe he can make a difference. His son was nine-year-old. He had a nine-year-old son. He said, son, let me show you this. And they would sit down by, by there, and he would watch us. And, he, and this son would be amazed how his father would open a drawbridge, and those boats would pass by. He would talk about all the different kinds of boats that would get by, and they were just amazed about what's happening. He said, son... Let's go down right there. And he would go down and he would sit down beside his son, right where, where the needle drawbridge was. And they would be talking about this. And he was just looking at all those beautiful ships that were coming by. Time got by, and all of a sudden he heard the train. He realized that the bridge was still up. And there were more than 400 passengers on board. He said, son, wait, stop. Just stay there. I'm going to run up. He runs up back to the place and he gets up there to where the tower was and he was supposed to lower the train. I lowered the, the bridge. But when he started to see that, 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 those, those, those bridge coming up, pluck, 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 he saw a figure right in the middle of all those gears was his son. His son followed him running and he slipped and fell into the gears. 
And as he was looking at his son, and he was looking at the train coming, and his son was screaming because his legs was being crossed. He, he was about ready to stop that thing, but he said, but those people lives need to be, to be saved. At that very moment, he just closed his eyes. He pulled that lever, and he allowed the bridge to come through. As the bridge came through, he was looking at those people riding the train. Some of them were just reading. They were smiling. They were doing the regular things. But right down there, he saw that his son had been crushed. Because he needed to be crushed in order that other people might be saved. Folks, it is a true story. But just think about what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. And sometimes we just take it for granted. He paid the ultimate price for you and for me because He loves you and He loves me. He did it on the cross. What else? He also saw our need. The only way for you and I can be saved was not through any form of good works, not even a form of godliness in our lives, all because of what Christ did for us. He also shared with us through His death on the cross that He would save us from the penalty of sin. He also showed us that we're going to be one. We're going to be part of that church, that body that he loves so much is coming back for. But he also gives us a future. He says, I'm coming back again. I'm coming back again. Are you ready for my second coming? Folks, when you start to think about the Lord's Supper, think then about what Christ has done for you and for me. Let us never forget, even during this Holy Week, the significance of Christ giving his life because he loves you and he loves me. Let's close our eyes and let's bow our heads in prayer. Well, every ear heads about and every eyes are closed. When was the last time you really took the time to, to understand the Passover? The story about how God delivered Israel. He redeemed them and gave them hope and gave them the ability to trust in him. You know, when was the last time you looked at the Lord's Supper with such holiness, realizing that this is in pattern of what Christ has told His disciples? Do this in remembrance of me. How often do we have a tendency to forget? Some of us made promises before the Lord. Lord, you know, if you do this to me, I'm going to love you more. How often do we promise, Lord, I'm going to serve you even more, Lord. How often he promised, Lord, I want to give you more, but yet we know in our lives it's not true. Say, Lord, I want to love you more. Lord, you mean to me more than anything in this world. Is that really true? Folks, the Lord Jesus Christ gave us the best example. He gave his life as the Passover lamb. Not because you and I deserve it, but because he loved us so much. He was willing to pay that ultimate price. He gave His body that it might be broken for you and for me by dying on the cross. He shed His blood on the cross. He was pierced on His side and the blood came out because there needed to be the shedding of blood in order for God to be satisfied that it was paid for. He paid it with His blood. And because of that, He said, there is now a new covenant, a new relationship. He wants you and I to have a deeper relationship with Him. I pray that even this morning, once again, you will be amazed and you will discover things about who God is. 
that God knows who we are. Is He your King? Is He your Lord? Is He your Savior? Well, every head's are bowed and eyes are closed. Why don't you tell us to the Lord how much you love Him today? Say, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for paying the ultimate price and willing to suffer for me that I might live. Father, just cleanse me from any unrighteousness that I've thought about in my life. Forgive me if I've taken you for granted. Forgive me if my priorities have been wrong, Lord. Forgive me if my focus has not been on you, but has been focused upon myself. Lord, forgive me. And this morning, I just surrender my life to you and your spirit control. Lord, continue to reveal new things to me today. And I would love to get to know you more, Lord. Bring me deeper into that relationship with you. If you pray that prayer, even this morning, God will renew His Spirit within us and give us a new heart, a new perspective in life. If you haven't yet come to know the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, you can say that simple prayer as well. Lord Jesus, I admit I am a sinner. Please forgive me, Lord. Thank you on dying on the cross for my sins. I believe in you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my life, dear Lord. Change me. Give me eternal life that you promised. And I confess you as my Savior and my Lord. And thank you, Lord, that you're coming back for me too. And I love you, Lord. And I bless you. Thank you, Lord, that you are my Lord, my Savior, and my King. And all God's people say, I want you to look at this video. Is this the God you talk about? Is this your king? I pray that after you get into know the scriptures more, you can truly say from my heart, that's my king. That's my savior. It's okay, my brother. I know we try that. But if you have a chance, when you get home, just go to YouTube. Type in the word, that's my king. And I pray that that would just steer your heart to say, what a great and God we have. That he's worthy to be 